What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? And thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the dro- uh, the Drop In. I am so freaking fired up. You don't even know. You don't even know how. Fu- I mean, I get fired up on every show. You guys see it. You know that I'm always excited, but today I have a very special guest in studio, and she is magic, straight freaking magic. I actually uh, got to uh, experience her mastery about, I don't know, about a month ago or something was the first time, and it was incredible. Like, I was lighter on my feet. My whole body felt physically just, I mean, it blew me away. Because you, if if you if any of you don't follow me, go check out social media. You can watch past shows of this. There's actually a show with an interview with me. But my hips have been crazy. Like stem cell injections in August last year. I'm still yoga two, three times a day. And after I got off Jeanette's table, my hips were like I was 12. I was, I seriously, maybe 14, maybe 14. So I'm so stoked you guys are here because we're going to hear about her journey, how she got into all the crazy stuff, reading tarot, Reiki master. I mean, like the goosebumps on my arms don't lie. They don't lie and they're, they're there. So I'm so happy you guys are here with us today on the drop-in and you'll be able to contact her. She's on social media. She's doing tons of rad stuff around the southeastern Michigan area, but also I believe you do some stuff online. Do you do anything? So no matter where you are in the world, you can reach out after you watch the amazing episode that I have for you today. You can reach out to her and you can see if what she does can work to better your life because the goal of this show is to help you get to be the best possible version of yourself you can. And the guests that have come on, they tell their story, how they evolved, how they've done what they've done. And so you can implement some of those things in your life. Well, today's is different because she actually becomes a moving part in your plan to get there. So super rad. I ain't going to run my trap anymore. Jeanette, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come hang out with us with here at the Woodward Sports Network. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited about this. It's, it's, you know, it's fun. And as soon as I started learning a little bit about you and what you've done, and you mentioned a few things about your journey to get to where you're at, I'm like, why don't you come on the show? And, <laughs> and, and you agreed. So thank you Absolutely. so much. Well, let's get right into it. Yeah. Uh, you know, where did you grow up? How was the early family dynamic, all that kind of stuff? So I was born in Utica, Michigan, technically at Royal Oak, Beaumont. Um, and lived there a good chunk of my life um, to Christian parents. My mom's a Christian pastor. Um, she found Jesus at a Billy Graham tent revival. <laughs> Billy Graham 70s. is a powerful dude. He is. He is. Um, and I, I'm not sure that they had this plan in mind for me, but they're rolling with it, so it's good. Cool. Um, I'm one of four kids. My sister is uh, from my dad's first marriage, but I have two younger brothers as well. Younger brothers? Mm-hmm. So do you have to fight for them in the park and stuff when they were getting picked on? No. No? No, the oldest of the two kind of handled that. For eh. Actually, he would fight for me because I was really shy growing up. Well, surprise, surprise. you know, it, we go through things. We go through evolutions to get to where we're at. I never, I was terrified to speak on a stage in college. And years later, that's what I do. So yeah. you never know. You never know where you're going to end up. Absolutely. Um, your... I, your bio that you sent over was really very detailed, so thank you very much. Your early school years were interesting because it wasn't like many in the southeastern Michigan area where they're in a school with 4,000 kids. Right. Can you talk about how, how that was? Yeah, so like I said, my family, um, they're Christian, and so we went to Christian private schools, but they were the ones that were affiliated with the churches we went to. So in elementary school, the entire elementary was about 100 kids. Um, in seventh grade, I was one of three in eighth grade. I was the only one. So it was me and the teacher one-on-one all the time, which was very strange, but because I had come up from kindergarten in that school, um, it really wasn't that strange to me Mm -hmm. until I started to meet other kids from other places and realize, oh, that was absolutely abnormal. (laughs) Um, and then when I left there and went to high school, I went to the same high school. A lot of the other kids had gone to. Um, another Christian private school where the high school was about 100 kids. So about 22, 24 in my graduating class. That's crazy. Like I grew up in a small city and I think we had a total of, I think it was like 400 people total in the high school. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was very minimal. 
when yeah. when I was reading your bio, I'm like, well, <laughs> I guess private school. You never know. You know, at first I'm like, where'd she grow up in the middle of the sticks? Because I totally blocked out that it was Utica. Oh, okay. And so I'm thinking, <laughs> um, but so and, and in school, I mean, it, it's a very unique opportunity you had to have that that very small class size and stuff. Yes. Did the scholastic part of of education come easy for you? Did you have to try hard? How was that? I think partially because the one-on-one capability was so there with the number of teachers versus the number of kids. Um, We were constantly challenged, and they were really kind of very dead set on making sure that we had a really good education, very well-rounded, both of the schools that I went to. Um, For a while, they were using what they called life packs, which were little magazine style where you did them at your own pace, and then they realized that a lot of kids don't do anything if you let them do it at their own pace Mm -hmm. so then they kind of changed but yeah scholastically we were asked to perform high um we were challenged but i'm i'm a capricorn i really like the challenge so i always excelled at school i was the nerd who was like can i go get the pencils and ready for school when's school (laughs) starting um and of course the teachers love that so i was a little bit of a teacher's pet i'm not gonna lie um but it worked out (laughs) yeah yeah and then following school like, did you already have a mapped out plan? Did you already know the direction you wanted to go? Where you go? Did you go to college? Like, how, how did that work? Interestingly enough, I was a freshman in high school, and I was with my father in the car, and we were driving a friend of mine home after a sleepover. And she lived in Detroit, and we passed the Detroit School for the Deaf. And I saw the building, and I went, oh, my gosh, I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. And I had always, you know, I had read the Helen Keller book, I had, you know, watched the movie. I was really into sign language as a kid. And um, that's what I decided to do. And I had always wanted to help people. Helping people is like a number one and always has been. So when I started looking at colleges, there were only two in the United States that actually gave you a degree in sign language at the time. One was in New Mexico and the other one was here. And I stayed here. I went to Madonna University. And um, when I went, they were like, yeah, we really recommend that you have a double major because sign language is a major needs support. Mm -hmm. So um, I had always been interested in psychology. Um, My family's been using me as a shrink since I was nine, (laughs) (laughs) literally. So, um, and most of the people in my life relate to me that way. They're always asking me to help them navigate life traumas and things like that. It just, it's always been that way. And so I put the two together and decided that I wanted to be a counselor for the deaf. And it wasn't until the year I graduated where all of my deaf friends were like, yeah, you don't understand our lives because you're hearing. And so we don't want a therapist that's hearing. Mm -hmm. And so I had to kind of switch on the fly, but I loved every minute of school. I did. I learned a lot. You know, that makes so much sense with what your, you know, friends told you. And that's why I think, um, you know, for me, like speaking on stage and stuff, Speaking from experience, not from a scholastic book I read and I'm explaining it to somebody. And even with, with a, a therapist or anybody helping you to navigate the waters of life, if they've experienced it, I think there's a special bond. And also they have a, a, a very um, a view of the situation that, that you can relate to or your client can relate to and stuff like that. I think it's, yeah. it's very special. And so those guys gave you like priceless information at that point in time did it also really triggered something in me where I got really really introspective for the longest time because I thought I only have my experience if I have an experience like being in the LGBTQ plus community mm-hmm. I haven't experienced being African-American I haven't experienced any of those things how can I be a therapist to anyone but myself right you know like legitimately and have that work and so now where I am doing energy work it doesn't know a gender a sexual preference if you're hearing or that, like, it doesn't matter. And so, and that just occurred to me just now that that really worked out mm-hmm. because I had lost my way after, you know, all the student loans and everything else that I owe for that education, which was amazing. It was a great education. But I was like, what am I going to do with this? Right. You know, when I found that out at the end. <laughs> you know. Yeah, we can try to be empathetic and, and we can be as empathetic as we can. Yeah. But unless you're in the trenches with those people, Absolutely. you cannot quite grasp um, the effect it has on their lives. And, and Absolutely. But I think uh, at least displaying empathy is a, a great step forward in, in us moving, in, just being more understanding and open, I think. Totally, uh, totally. Just my opinion. Just my opinion. I, that, <laughs> you know, take it. But um, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all people, and we all have energy. 
Yeah. Like, that's a given. And that is, you guys don't even know. Well, you're going to know <laughs> by the end of this show, but how important that really is. Um, but, you know, following uh, college, you end up in the corporate world mm-hmm. for a while. You bounced around a little bit and end up in the corporate world. I mean, you had a, like, what, 10-year stint? Uh, Almost with, 20. With, with doing what you were doing. And it, you know, again, understanding that these, a lot of these big corporations, like one of the things I was reading about uh, with you was that, you know, you're with this temp agency, you're crushing it and knowing in your heart that, you know, one of the big three is not going to hire you full time. Was that a, a huge decision? Help, or was that a huge helper in you making the decision to sort of shift gears a little bit? Yes. So I originally started at GM. My grandmother was a GM secretary for like 38 years. Okay. And I always admired her. So I thought, you know, I'm just going to do what grandma did um, since I kind of didn't know what I was doing with the degrees. And um, so I did that for three years and then I moved over to Ford. And I really liked it there. I liked the environment. But there was this piece of me that at the end of the day, and this was actually a question because I was in manufacturing IT for a while, um, we would ask ourselves out loud, do we still make cars here? Because there was so much other stuff going on. There were so many meetings. There was so much just navigating what you have to navigate as a big corporation mm-hmm. um, that I felt lost in it. And as a contractor, I felt 10 times more lost than people who are direct employees. Right. Um, and so as I was doing that, I got to the point in nine and a half years and I told myself, I will not be here 10 years if I don't get directly hired. And so the opportunity arose for me to leave and be direct hired to United Healthcare, actually, um, where I spent a little bit of time there. And that's when I decided to leave the corporate world. So I was there for about a year, year and a half. Um, I mostly just knew that I wanted to interact with people on a one-on-one basis and make a difference for their lives. And that I wasn't going to be on my deathbed going, man, I wish I'd done one more expense report. (laughs) Right. I I actually just wished that I could have one more awesome conversation with a person that makes a difference. Yeah. Because if this is the only life that we're here and this is the only life we remember, we might as well get the best out of our hundred years. Write it down. (laughs) Write it down. There's the first nugget. (laughs) The first nugget. Beautiful. Beautifully stated. Thank you. Uh, So after you leave United Healthcare. What do you do then? Um, when I left, so I had actually hired a career coach because I knew I was on my way out. Hired a career coach um, who was, was in a business networking group that I belonged to, well, sort of, I fill in for at, uh, in Royal Oak. And he started coaching me about what I was passionate about and what I was into and like what made my eyes light up and made me sparkle because that's where I was going to want to put my energy mm-hmm. instead of this drudgery of going to a place that I didn't feel like I was making a difference at. And um, I would say two or three months with him, and someone invited me to a singing bowl immersion. So crystal singing bowls that are all tuned to the keys, and they lay them out and play them. Remind me to tell you something about singing bowls. I I guess I could bring it up here because the massage therapist I go to is also a Reiki healer. And the first session we had, she had this audio going, and that's what it was, with a little bit of narration, Mm. like explaining to you what the singing bowls were doing. And I immediately, I paid the money like it was nine ninety nine, and it's on my phone, and I use it probably once a week. It's amazing in my meditation. But uh, singing bowls are incredible. That sound that can't be recreated by anything else. It's like it's its own deal. Yeah, and what a lot of people don't know is that the tones of each bowl are aligned with your chakras, mm-hmm. and because we are seventy percent plus water, um, that vibration moves through our whole body because that's one of the best ways for sound yeah. to carry. So they're it's awesome. Very healing. Yep. So I went to one of those, and um, in talking with the people that were playing, after the fact, I was helping them put things in their their vehicle and stuff, and they asked me who I was and what I was doing, and my coach introduced me. And they said, hey, you know, we actually need an admin, and that's what I had done for all those years. And we started talking, and it opened up from there. The universe don't mess around. Mm -hmm. I will tell you what, we just got to quiet ourselves long enough to pay attention. And see, and get out of our own way. I tell people, I told a friend this this afternoon, I was talking to a business colleague, and I, he's like, how's things going? I'm like, dude, life is great as long as I don't trip over myself, stay out of my own way. And that's yeah. often our, our, our biggest hurdle is ourselves. And so, um, so then you end up doing the admin for this yeah. company? 
Yeah. Um, at the time, it was in Berkeley. It was Compassion Wellness Center. Now they are on the road um, working, I believe, at a hot springs. I think they have their own hot springs out in California. Oh. And so they're actually having people there for retreats and things. Um, but yeah, as far as getting out of your own way, I think the biggest thing was being raised in the home I was raised in, allowing for these woo-woo kinds of concepts to, for me to embrace them and to actually just not freak out because they were so outside my box. You know, I was trained with this mentality of, you know, there's this category called new age and it's bad. Everything's associated with something negative and that wasn't my experience. And so I had to kind of come to terms with how does this fit into my life? But I'm really open-minded. And so I just, everything that popped up, I was like, let's give it a shot. Let's try it. If it doesn't feel good, I won't do it again. And what's rad is, um, as people realize like the benefits and I'll use meditation because that's so common right now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, even, uh, Christians and, and, and different uh, religious sects, if you will, are realizing, yeah, it's called meditation, but it has absolutely, it's no detriment to your foundational beliefs of your, your whatever your spiritual practice is. And, and so it's rad to, to go to a meditation group and realize that there's a freaking atheist sitting there and a Christian sitting there and a Hindu sitting there and a, a Buddhist or Eastern philosophy and all getting the same benefits from it, that it's not infringing on the rights of whatever your, your uh, I'll say it, programmed beliefs are, <laughs> because most of the time when it comes to spirituality, it's what we grew up with and people continue yeah. with that. Um, but the things that were maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago uh, sort of chastised by organized religions and say a new agey are now more and more getting accepted and them realizing this has no threat to us or to our, our God or whoever. Um, there's enough for everybody. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I've discovered is when I have someone on my table who is very staunchly in a religion that might reject, you know, the idea of what I do. Um, I always have a conversation and my belief system usually kind of comes into alignment with theirs. I believe that whether you call it meditation, whether you call it prayer, however you look at that, my interaction with the divine source, God, whatever name you want to give, um, comes by having a conversation with another human being. When my higher self engages with your higher self, I'm experiencing God. And so if I separate myself from other people, I'm actually separating myself from the thing that helps me grow and helps me move energy and do all the things that I do. And so to me, it's this is a prayer, this is a meditation, this is an encounter with God. And I just prefer to see it that way. I dig it. People don't argue with that. I dig it. That's a great way to look at it. You write it down. Are you taking it all in? (laughs) (laughs) See what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? So you are, you know, you're working with this wellness center. Like, now did that stoke your fire? to what was going to happen for the next 10 years plus following that? Like the direction, because I mean, it sounded like they were doing some pretty cool stuff. They were. And um, so what was the real instigator for what you ended up doing? Um, So they had massage therapists there. They did the bowls. They um, would cook entirely vegan meals and have people come and just eat vegan. And so it was very immersive. Um, But I think the thing that really kind of tipped me over the edge was um, someone had started talking to me about tarot, and it was actually a friend of mine. And that was one thing that was absolutely forbidden Mm. (laughs) growing up. I can see that. Um, Just, it's evil, don't do that. Um, And I had bought a deck with my first husband just because the art was pretty on it. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm just going to put this in our game box, whatever. And a friend was like, hey, I should read your tarot sometime. I think I have a deck and if I can put my hands on it, you can read my tarot. And I walked right to it in my house. Hadn't known where it was for years. And that started something in me. She read my tarot and I was like, that's interesting. So the next time I was in Royal Oak, I decided to pop into a metaphysical shop and look for an incense burner and a tarot deck. And I walked in and unfortunately this place doesn't exist anymore because the owner passed away. Um, But I walked in and said, Hey, I'd like an incense burner. And she said, I don't have anything. And I was like, uh, how about you let me be the judge of that? And I said, can you just point me toward what you have? And she did. And I walked over and everything had a pentagram on it. And I was like, yeah, that's not really my vibe. Mm-hmm. 
So she was right. And I'm just like, how did you? So I went and asked her because I'm really blind. How did you know? I'm like, how did you know that I wasn't going to? And she's like, you're a giant white ball of light. And most (laughs) people (laughs) that choose those things are, you know, play a little more on the dark side. Yeah. And so we started talking about tarot. And she's like, you do realize that you're a tarot reader, a psychic, a medium, all these things. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like. Right. Um. But after that conversation, and she actually gave me a deck. Someone had turned in a deck, decided it wasn't their vibe. She gave it to me. Didn't have the pentagram on it. Wasn't their thing. <laughs> no, no. It's actually kind of weird and medieval looking, like with an adjuster kind of way. It was strange. Um, but I took it. I did the readings. I needed an answer that day. And it just stuck in my head. And I went back and talked to her some more. And then I ended up working there. And there were actually three ladies who taught me how to be witchy. How cool. Taught me how to read the tarot, taught me how to move energy, um, taught me how to recognize when spirit was talking to me. Um, and so even though Sandy, the owner of the shop, has passed away, uh, Candy and Karen are still around, and Patty, who was in and out. And, yeah, they're kind of my own little group of crones. <laughs> and then did it snowball from there? Were you like, 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 where does, you know, Reiki came, come in? And where do the rest of uh, the, the disciplines that... You are familiar with when did those come in and how did that happen? It's funny because as you open yourself up to one thing, it's it's kind of like a slippery slope. We'll call, we'll call tarot the gateway drug to everything else that I learned. Um, I just I've always been curious about that stuff. When I was a kid, I remember um, my mom ordered encyclopedias. When they would come to the door and bring you like one encyclopedia a month or whatever, she bought them and. Um, I would sneak off into the bathroom because I knew no one would bother me in there with the G and the V and look up ghosts and vampires and read about them from a very, very young age. So I've always been curious about the things that people don't really talk about Mm -hmm. or it's kind of taboo. And so when I started to get into that world and realize, oh, there's crystals and there's Reiki and there's all these other things, what are these? Um, Doors just kept opening. You know, one of my friends who was into crystals was like, hey, I'm going to teach Reiki. Do you want to come learn? You know? I'll give you a discount if you blah, 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 mm-hmm. you know. And so uh, doors just kept opening. And then when I um, actually read Tarot at the Candlelick Shop in Ferndale for a while, and one of the owners uh, came in and was like, hey, there's a mediumship class opening up at the Center of Enlightenment. You should go take it. And I was like, oh, do, I, do, I, do I really want to talk with dead people and, and do that? And um, I gave it a shot and realized that was a skill that I had. And yeah, you can't unring that, that bell. No. Well, what's funny is I actually had memories from childhood that once I took the class, I realized, oh, that's what was happening. I didn't make those people up. I wasn't having imaginary friends. I'm not super creative and just, you know, having a good time. That was real. And so doors just keep opening. Um, And then the door opened for me to go to India. Yeah, how did that happen? Because I have like a picture of India on my wall. I haven't quite made it there yet. And then ironically, a guy messaged me this week. And inquiring if I'd be interested to speak in India. Ooh. And I was like, ooh. And Jump I, on that. yeah, we'll see what happens <laughs> there. But how did that happen and how was the experience? So I had a friend, and actually she was a massage therapist at that first place I worked at Compassion Wellness Center. We became friends, and she had decided to go to Thailand for Thai massage training as part of her curriculum. And when she was done there, she went to India for a little bit and did her first training in yoga. And when she came back, she was like, you have to experience this. You have to go. We're planning this. We're doing it. So we spent um, four weeks in Nepal, in Kathmandu, which is amazing, and then five weeks in Rishikesh. Well, we bounced around. We went to Jaipur, Agra, uh, Delhi, and then to Rishikesh and studied yoga. It was amazing. And was it all studying? Was it like a couple weeks of studying? Did you have time to actually experience the country, or was it all training the whole time? No, so just the last five weeks in Rishikesh uh, was training, but the rest of it was all just seeing important things. But you don't want to go to India and not see the Taj Mahal. Right. Um, And the pink city, which is Jaipur. So they painted the entire city pink because that's the color of hospitality. And so you get to see really, really cool things. Um, And then Kathmandu was mind-blowing. I can't imagine. I would actually go back there first. Really? I've only seen pictures, and it looks phenomenal. It is. Um, it's a little overwhelming, just the population, because we're so used to our space here, and we, we are really just so privileged here. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're not used to that or if you're not you – know, I'm empathic, so having a lot of people crowd in near me requires some 
preparation. That would be exhausting. <laughs> it was until I learned how to just kind of go with the flow, like let it go. This is normal here. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't mind crowds. I don't mind, you know, going to an event, stuff like this, but uh, it's like small doses. Like I, you got to get out of it. And if it's there like all the time, I think that would be uh, something you'd ha- or something I would have to learn how to deal with in my way. I feel lucky that the trip was nine weeks because probably about week six or seven, I got used to the honking horns. I got used to everyone touching me all the time. I got used to the smell of cows, like all the things. And then when I came home, it was just eerily still. And we drove home through Canada, which is just a complete Mm. vast nothingness, right? Um, And I, I just was so blown away by how privileged we are. I was blown away how there's like literally no trash anywhere. There's no... You know, we don't have to fight for our food and there are, you know, emaciated cows on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. And it really was, it opened my worldview and helped me realize that I'm one with the cosmic oneness that all these other people and entities and living things are too. Mm -hmm. And it just made the world smaller in a really good way. I kind of miss it. I miss the honking horns. I know that sounds weird. <laughs> Go to New York. It's a different kind of honking. Totally horns. different. Different yeah. kind of different kind of uh, hustle and bustle <laughs> there. Yep. Um, you know, we're gonna talk. Uh, I'm gonna switch these questions around a little bit yeah, we because. Jump, um, no, actually, we're doing perfectly. But the way I wrote them here, because I want to talk about um, your disciplines before we get into intuitive in- indigo. Okay. Um, you know, you're right. Reiki master, tarot reader, psychic medium, and a certified Himalayan Kundalini Kriya yoga teacher. Say that 10 times fast. I felt, <laughs> I felt honored because I actually knew exactly what that was. And, and I'm familiar with Yogananda and I'm familiar with what he has done. And if you guys don't know, Yogananda came here, I think in the twenties and he brought Kundalini yoga here. And uh, one of the crazy things, and you might get a Jeopardy question right, or maybe like Trivial Pursuit, but Yogananda was one of the very first people to start like a monthly mail order subscription. Kriya Yoga, you you had to buy the program and you got a lesson a month to learn. Oh, interesting. And that's the only way you could learn it. Like they would, or you had to go there and spend four or five or six weeks or whatever with Yogananda. And so he was actually one of the first mail order dudes on the planet, Yogananda, this little weird dude. Like they seriously thought he was like a carnival act when he got here. He was in his robes with his entourage. And actually, again, for your uh, your game show, while you're friends with dumb knowledge, that doesn't mean anything. Arnold Schwarzenegger was one of the other uh, first to do mail order with his uh, bodybuilding techniques. But that has nothing to do with uh, Yogananda. If you want to know more about him and what we are going to talk about, uh, Biography of a Yogi. Autobiography. Autobiography of a Yogi is the book about his life. And then there is a movie called Awake that is really, really cool because it has real footage of Yogananda when he got off, got here. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty cool too. So you have done all these things. Uh, like Reiki, I understand because I've got to experience it. Mm-hmm. But between Reiki, tarot, uh, being a medium and a yoga instructor, could you give our awesome drop-in viewers a little, almost like a cliff notes of what each one is? Sure. Okay. Um, I will start with tarot. I'm Most people know what a tarot card is, but if you don't, it's very similar to a deck of playing cards. Um, it actually was originated by the French, um, the French court. So oh. the cards were made to represent, especially the court cards, the actual people who were in the ruling class at that time. And so it was originally in... Um, created to be a game like oh this these characteristics of this particular court card are the characteristics of that person and so it kind of developed after that and um, people started using it as a predictive divination tool which is interesting um you can learn tarot and not be intuitive in quotes i don't think anyone's not intuitive i actually think that all the skills that i have everyone else has as well it's just a matter of are you using them are you interested in using them mm-hmm. um so tarot, you, uh, you can, tarot readers, especially in the Royal Oak Ferndale area, tons, tons of them. Um, Reiki, the way that I describe Reiki, um, because I've been giving away 20-minute free sessions at my office to kind of build my clientele, um, and I have to kind of explain to people who don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, 
If you're a massage therapist, you work on the muscles and the tissues. And if you've ever had a tension headache, you know that you hold your issues in your tissues, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's all stress, and it's all stress that you've put into your body as a resistance to whatever is or whatever you're afraid of or whatever's coming. And so when I do Reiki, I'm actually relieving those pains and helping move that energy, but it's the energy I'm working on. It's not the bone structure like a chiropractor would do. It's not the muscles like a massage therapist. It's your, your energy. Um, and I believe firmly that what we say out loud that we hear helps create some of that energy. We keep ourselves, um, we've talked a couple of times about law of attraction. Mm -hmm. So what you put out there is what you keep present in your life. So really being aware of that and knowing that some of our pain is actually from past trauma, conversations we've had that left us feeling incomplete, um, ways that we believe about ourselves, ways that we believe about society or other people that all feeds into your body. And I think that's one of the reasons that the body gets sick. And I have to encourage every single one of you to at least try Reiki once. Because you're probably sitting there going, no way. Like, no way. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not a huge skeptic because I've been around this stuff for long, a long time. But I had never actually had a, a Reiki session. And I got to visit with Jeanette. We visited first time, like I went for the free 20 minutes, but I gave her some more money so she could work on me more. And I, I woke up, uh, not woke up, but sort of kind of waking up a little bit because I was walking lighter. My body felt better. I had no clue what she did. Like she was like, it's not like I'm getting a deep tissue massage or anything. This is energy healing. And my body felt incredible incredible and some other things some other psychological blocks that were messing with me because we have a conversation when i'm laying on the table and we're talking about different things like almost like therapy meets this meets that it's just all encompassing but we talked about some things she's like i'm going to release this i'm going to do this i'm going to do that and it worked it worked i'm not going to get super in depth into how it worked but it worked so i encourage you each and every one of you if you're in southeastern michigan get a hold of this young lady if you're not in southeastern Michigan, still get a hold of this young lady, but you may want to go experience it in real time with a real Reiki master. It was incredible. It was yeah. freaking incredible. Thank you. Um, I do want to say, if you aren't local, Reiki works long distance because energy does not know a physical location. Bam. And I know that sounds crazy. I do have a client in the UK and I do have a client in Montana that report the same results that you've reported wow. or different because their bodies are different. But. And you don't have to know how it works. Just know it does work. Like, no, no, I, I guarantee the majority of the people watching this don't know how electricity works. <laughs> but you know when you plug that plug in the wall, your radio will work or your light will work. You don't have to understand it. You just have to have a, have a knowing. Dr. Wayne Dyer calls it a knowing. Have a knowing that it will work. And again, goosebumps. Every hair on my body standing up because it it's magic. So you're, you end up becoming a Reiki master, and, yes. and Reiki is energy healing. It, it was incredible. Um, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off so no, much, but all. I like tooting your all. horn because it's magic. One of the examples that I like to give to kind of tell folks what can happen, um, I had a gentleman come and get Reiki from me. It was actually a gift from a friend of his. Bought him a session. He got on my table, and he was talking about pain he had in his shoulder, and he'd had this pain ever since his partner passed away. And he'd been to doctors, he'd gotten second, third, fourth opinions, and everybody said, you're going to have to have surgery, even then you're probably going to be in pain the rest of your life, we'll do injections, all of the things to try and relieve the pain. Um, but he could not sleep through the night because it was so painful. And I got him on my table, and the minute, so basically when I do Reiki, I kind of hover my hands over your body's energy, you might have heard it called your aura, um, and I feel a difference in the energy when I'm supposed to work on a spot. So it might feel sticky to me, it might feel wet, it might feel cold, it might feel rubbery. There's all these different feelings that I get. And as soon as I put my hands near his shoulder, I went, nope, get another opinion. It's absolutely not physical. And I am not a medical doctor, and that's kind of a strange line to walk because mm -hmm. I'm not allowed to give medical advice in any fashion, and I don't. Um, but I said, why don't you consider seeing another doctor? I said, but I'm going to do what I do, and we'll see if that helps. And so I worked on his shoulder and the rest of him for the session. And the next morning, he called me, and he said, I slept completely through the night with zero pain in my shoulder. And I was like, awesome. Let's see how long that lasts. Let's see what's going on. 
Um, and what it turned out to be was he was carrying a ton of grief from losing his partner. This was the love of his life. Mm-hmm. And he was carrying that grief on his shoulder, which that's what we do with heavy things, right? We carry them on our shoulder. Yeah. And so there's an actual kind of almost metaphor to what we actually do when we carry heavy things and how we hold that in our bodies. And I saw him, he purchased a candle for me. I do affirmation candles. Um, he purchased a candle for one of his students um, a week ago. And it had been like a year since I saw him. Oh, cool. And he said, I've never had pain in the shoulder again. So no surgery required, no shots, and he gets to sleep. It's magic. It's 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 not me. I'm I'm a conduit. For divine energy, I just you know aim it where it's supposed to go. So cool, so cool. And then uh, psychic medium, like what that? (laughs) Like I don't even know what that is. I mean, you know what intuition is, right? Yes. When you have an intuitive experience, how does that show up for you? Different ways. Okay. It, it shows up in different ways. Um, Some people say that they get a warmth in their third eye. Some people feel like it's my belly, it. more okay. my belly. Yeah, but there's like this knowing mm-hmm. that we were talking about. Um, some people who are very visual will get visuals in their heads. Some people hear whispers in their ears. Some people it's just that perception of hearing. Um, intuition for me is messages from the divine, from my ancestors, from my higher self, from all the energies that are out there to help me do my life better. And we find access to those energies when we're still, when we learn how to meditate, when we learn how to listen, when we turn off the media and turn off all the stuff Mm -hmm. and actually can be with ourselves in the silence. But the hard part is when we do that, you get to see all your crap, right? So then you get to work on moving your crap out of the way so you can actually have the experience. Um, So psychic mediumship for me started with realizing that I had a third eye and visualizing it with like a curtain over it and kind of removing a curtain or a layer of curtains just so I could be aware of more. And I was really enthusiastic. So the first time that I read tarot for um, an event in Royal Oak, I was like, let's just rip the curtain back. And I had a migraine for three days because <laughs> I just wanted to experience everything. And I wanted to right. help everybody that sat in front of me. And my enthusiasm was a little, I wasn't prepared. Mm. Um, but I think that the most, the most prevalent thing that happens for me is when I get the physical illnesses of the people that I'm healing with. Because I do. And that feel, affects you physiologically? Yes. So um, there was a time I was actually having coffee to shop with a friend and reading her tarot. And she was really worked up about something going on in her life. And when I was doing the reading, I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to, I need to vomit. And I was like, I'll be back. And I went in the bathroom and just projectile vomited. Sorry to be gross. But, like, it, I don't get sick like that. And while I was in there, I'm like, what is wrong? What's going on? And the way that it is transmitted to me in my head, it sounds like my own voice. It sounds like me thinking. But it's completely not something I would say. That's mm-hmm. how spirit occurs to me. Or sometimes they show pictures. But they were like, this is how worked up she's getting herself. She's actually vomiting over this situation. Wow. And so I went out there, and it was the first thing I said. Are you making yourself sick about this? And she's like, yeah. I was like, please stop, because I don't want to <laughs> throw up anymore. <laughs> you know, like, um, but I do, I get that physical thing until I address it with him, and then it goes away. But it's the way that spirit lets me know, you need to address this, and you need to talk about it right now. Okay. Um, and so that's one of the ways. I'm just glancing through our notes. And then I, I mentioned uh, Kundalini yoga. It's different. It is different than what people like. I don't, I'm not like the <laughs> Vispiana. Like there's all the different kinds of yoga. You know, there's hot yoga. There's this yoga. There's that yoga. Kundalini is completely different. Completely. I feel than all of those. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So... My experience in India was so different from what I had learned about yoga here. Because like you said, the hot yoga, you know, sun salutations, that is part of it. But the intensity of the breath work that they do, the focusing on your own divine inner self, um, how you connect with nature and the people around you, it's very much about realizing that you are part of this giant oneness, this Mm -hmm. giant cosmos. And having that humble you and create a respect in you for all other living things. Um, I will say that the breath work was probably the thing I noticed that was the most different. So in Kriya, you'll do moves, seated or standing, 
with intense different types of breath, intense different types of movement. And um, it is to stimulate like the fire in your belly. Yeah. So you can do um, certain breaths to wake you up. We were, we were doing meditation and yoga at 6 o'clock in the morning, so we needed that. <laughs> so there's one called Breath of Fire, and you are inhaling at an intense rate and breathing out at an intense rate, and that actually creates this fire in your belly, which then goes out to all of your limbs and has you feel energized for whatever is next and what are, whatever poses you're going to do or whatever you're going to do in your day. And so there are some for calming. There are some if you need... Um, you need to channel your brave warrior energy. There's warrior breaths. There's all kinds of different things. Um, and they combine them with yoga poses, mudras, um, mantras, um, singing, mm-hmm. chanting, all of those things. And they do it all to get you into the place that's going to help you find what you're looking for. For me, that turned out to be self-compassion, which is not what I thought I went there for. <laughs> I thought I went there for fitness. I thought I went there you know, to like lose a few pounds. Um, and when I was on my mat, face down, just bawling because I couldn't keep up with all the skinny Lululemon girls in the room, one of the instructors came over and she's like, are you on your mat? And I was like, yeah. She's like, you're doing it then. That's all we need you to do. You're here. If you could have compassion for everyone else in this room, how about you give yourself some? Yeah. And so I spent five weeks learning how to be compassionate with myself and my body because I was built this way. I've always been a chubby girl. I've always been short. I've always been kind of just hefty and thick. And she's like, yeah, it's a body type. It's called kapha. That's who you are. Be compassionate with that. Love that. And that's such a difficult thing. It is. You know, so often uh, I'm guilty of it as well. And I talk about it openly on here. Up until five years ago, I didn't love myself. Mm -hmm. But I was polite and nice and giving to everybody else. And I treated myself. We often treat ourselves worse than our worst enemy, Mm -hmm. especially the internal dialogue. Uh, We are our own worst critic, biggest enemy. I mean, run down the list. We... You know, I've, I've seen it. I've lived it. And so to develop a, a personal empathy for ourselves and give us ourselves a little leeway and forgiveness, yeah. not an easy task. No. And honestly, I, I firmly believe and have learned it's a daily task. Yes. Because once I left that environment, once I left that amazing support group of 100 plus people who were constantly on my side mm-hmm. and coming home to the media who was like, oh, you're too fat. Your, your hair is not a good color. Oh, you have too much gray. Like our media just is poisonous. Mm-hmm. And so trying to maintain that in myself and keep on that path despite what was coming at me from the outside, that's been a bigger challenge. Um, but when I meet like-minded folks like you and the people that I've brought into my world, it really makes all the difference. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's, you know, it's awesome that you got to go to India and you got to experience those things. And I'm sure for your personal evolution, not only the way you help so many others is with what you're doing right now, but that, that, that growth inside yourself is, it's gotta be incredible. Absolutely. Um, I never, I always thought that I did the work because my other degree is psychology. So I was like, yeah, I'm doing my own mental work. I'm pretty aware. I know what a toxic relationship looks like. I know how to not be in one. Doesn't mean I wasn't. (laughs) But, you know, we, like you said, we're our own worst enemies. And it's easy for me to put that counseling or that coaching out there for other people to see what they're going through, give them advice, hope they take it. That's easy. When I have to look at myself and go, oh, my God, every message I just gave all of my coaching clients this week is for me and I still have to do the work because and the way I describe it to them is when I'm coaching you it's like we're on a hike I've gone around a bend and fallen into a hole and I'm screaming don't fall in the hole oh, right, right, it's right. not that I'm further than you it's not that I'm better than you it's not that I know anything more than you I just fell in the hole first so I can warn you not to fall in the hole and you still might mm-hmm. but it's it's this partnership that you have with other souls on this journey where you just look out for each other. That's a great analogy, a great analogy, because so often, I mean, how many of you guys, you know the auto mechanic with the freaking broke down car in their driveway, <laughs> and you go, why do you have the broke, you're an auto mechanic. It, it's not uncommon in other professions as well that we can, and you guys know it, you've seen people sit and give advice, and you're thinking, who are you to be given advice? Look at your life. Yeah. And I, um, for me, it's the same kind of thing, I think, that uh, like the stuff that I'm doing now, mm-hmm. it's written or spoke about from experience, and it's what you just said. 
there's a hole over here. <laughs> Don't come this way. Yep. And that's all it is. And it's not telling other people how to do it, offering suggestions and maybe a path for them not to have to experience what I've experienced or maybe get out of uh, the experience that they're in right now. And God, the whole analogy, I'm going to end up using that in the future because that's such a good one. It's, it's funny because my aunt used to say to me when I was a kid, she'd give me advice and then she'd say, yeah, but the voice of experience doesn't get heard. People don't hear the voice of experience. You hear it when you're ready to hear it. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I do in my business is I trust the right people are going to come to me. Mm -hmm. I don't like marketing. I still have to do it because I have a business, but I trust that the people that come and lay on my table are meant to, just yeah. like you did, which created this. Yeah. So. Yeah. And speaking of your business, I got to ask you about the name. Like, where did the name come from? Uh, Intuitive Indigo. Like, where did you come up with that? It's actually the second iteration of the name. Um, the first one, someone had suggested a color, like your favorite color, and then a thing. And so I was like, okay, well, at the time I was working with uh, my sacral chakra, which if you're familiar is the chakra that's responsible for your creativity, your passion, your drive, mm -hmm. also your sexuality. That wasn't really the focus for my business, but I wanted to like take my passions and put them into my business. So it was orange and so, and most people don't know what an Enso is. So I had to explain the name to everyone, which is why I changed it. But an Enso in Japanese calligraphy is when um, you're learning calligraphy, you'll take a brush and you will train for years with one brush stroke to make the perfect circle. You've probably seen You can't make a perfect so, circle. Of course you can. Nobody can make a perfect circle. Of course circle. you can't. But the point was discipline and focus and dedication and all the things I wanted my business to be about. Okay. But when I had to explain it to everyone every single time, I was like, this isn't working. So I talked with Sandy, the lady who ran the shop in Royal Oak, and we started talking about it. And she mentioned Indigo Children, and I didn't know what they were. Um, so anyone born after 1978, falls into a category of, in, of um, crystal children, technically. Um, they are more aware of spirit and what's going on in the world and things on a metaphysical level than we are. And the reason, as it was explained to me, was that in 1978 there was a great convergence of planets that all lined up um, in the sky at the same time. It's never going to happen again in our lifetimes, probably not for billions of years. But the theory is that there was a shift in magnetic pull and gravity and energy that had these kids be a little bit different. And so people my age have indigo children. <laughs> they have crystal children, they have rainbow children. Really quick synopsis, indigo children are the ones who want to break down the current construct of how the world is malfunctioning. Okay. So they're really rebellious. They're really going to get in your face. They're going to, they're the ones who are protesting all kinds of things right now. Um, the rainbow children Nope, the crystal children are the ones who want to usher in an age of peace after that happens. And then the rainbow children are going to rebuild something new, something better, something more connected. And she told me I was an original indigo. And I was like, I don't know what that means. And she said, you have that rebel energy, and you have the ability to guide people to get on their path. And so all of those kids are the ones that I'm here for. Yeah, cool. And most of them are the ones that come to me for coaching, come to me for tarot lessons. Um, and they just kind of show up, which is really, really cool. Mm. So as an indigo, an original indigo, um, and being intuitive, because most people don't know what indigos are, um, it kind of brings it all together. Most people know what intuition is. Mm -hmm. And there's some documentaries and different things about the indigo children. Or yes, or there's things. a lot of books and things, too. They've known about it since the 70s. Okay. So you can find all kinds of literature. Yeah, I've never watched one, but I remember a few times I, I look at the description. I'm like, I should watch it. Like now I'm going to watch really it because I understand a little more and I'm, yeah. I know what I'm looking at. Um, but yeah, it sounded very interesting. I was like, hmm. It is. Yeah. And I've always just aligned with rebels. And like when you were on my table, I was like, this guy's cool. Nah. This is my kind of people. Like just buck the system, do the thing. You yeah. know? Well, thank you. Uh, I think you're pretty cool too. And, and thanks again for coming on the drop-in because, Absolutely. you know, I know that you guys are benefiting from this. Even if you just, like, had a question mark over your head of what it all is, now you have a better understanding. And and you, when you're walking down the street, when you're going to the festivals, when you're different, seeing different things uh, through social media, you can understand what Reiki is, what, what each discipline is. And I think that's awesome because even if they don't want to come and see you, they can understand it a little Absolutely. bit. And I like that a lot. Um, with your business, uh, I know you mentioned early on the show that uh, free 20-minute session. 
what is uh, the best way for our viewers to get a hold of you? Is it a .com? Is it social media? How can they contact you? Um, I definitely have a website. Intuitiveindigo.com is me. Um, I have an office in Wyandotte, and I have one in Southfield. So um, I can do in-person visits. I can Zoom, all those things. But I am on just about every form of social media except for Snapchat. Okay. So you can find me on TikTok, um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of them. And they are all intuitive indigo except for Twitter, which is intuition for you. Okay. So I'm pretty reachable. And so folks can reach out. You can get more information. Um, uh, like she said, you can uh, long distance, all that kind of stuff. You're never, there is never a time when you cannot find help or even maybe just ask a question. Cause I know you're live a lot. You know, people, if they do get into your private groups, you're, you're in the mix on a regular basis. It's not like you're just putting up generic posts and you're, you're gone. You are, you are really, uh, um, approachable through social media. Yeah. I do have a private group called the broom closet. And part of that is as I've learned to embrace the word, witch, um, which was a struggle for me. Um, the lady who taught me told me that in the original Old English, it just meant wise woman. And I'm cool with being a wise woman. I'm cool I'm with that. Down. And um, so in the broom closet, people are free to experience a spiritual conversation from whatever background they come from, um, with whatever talent, skills, things that they have. We talk about clairvoyance. We talk about a lot of the gifts people have that they don't know how to use. And I go live three times a week to help people find their way. Very And cool. I love it. It's a very um, nurturing group. Very cool. You know, it's crazy because in the last, uh, it's been about a month and I've been reading different things and how uh, the stuff we're talking about here, as far as intuition, as far as clairvoyance and, and I mean, all of it, telepathy, everything mm -hmm. that it's always been there, yeah. but, but the powers that be, and I'm not speaking about any one particular but have been dumbing us down for hundreds of years because they realize the power we truly have. I never thought about that until about the last month. And I don't even know where I came across it. But I'm like, that makes so much sense. And, and we watch it now in real time. I'm like, man, we're all getting programmed and dumbed down if you let it. Oh and this God. has been going on for hundreds of years. Yep. And so when you run into somebody like Jeanette where they can help you realize the power you truly have within you, that is just freaking awesome. And so I encourage each and every one of you to reach out, schedule your freaking Reiki healing. It's it, it, just to experience it, just to experience it. It may not be for you. You may be sitting there and woo, woo, you know, whatever. <laughs> I, I don't want any of this. Uh, take it. Take the time to do it because there's magic in you that you haven't tapped yet. You haven't even got to that, to the serve. I mean, you, you're not there. And I believe uh, through this show, through the amazing guests, that maybe we can help help get you there. Um, is there anything we missed? Is there anything you'd like to add? I think the only thing that I really want to say is all of the things that I do and all of the stuff that I have found, I don't associate with a particular religion. Um, a lot of people that end up on my table have a belief system, and it doesn't infringe on that. Reiki absolutely doesn't infringe on that because however you see divine energy the universe, God, Jehovah, however you see that, um, that's the energy that I'm bringing through to help. Um, and it's universal. So I'm not going to preach at you and I'm not going to try and sell you any Jesus or anything like that. Um, and I keep my belief system to myself unless I'm asked. Cool. So it's very, I'm very open to all people. It's important. I think it is very important. Very important. So I got to thank you once again. You're freaking awesome. I'm glad that we met and I, we're going to be friends for the rest of your life. Absolutely. Just so you know. Absolutely. Um, and you guys, thank you. You're the reason we do the show. You're the reason the drop-in is here to help open your eyes and realize the power you possess inside you. And I have faith in you and I want you to have the same faith in yourself. So with that, I want to say thank you guys once again. This is Jeanette. I am Gerald and this is the drop-in. Uh -huh.